0: Running away from people now, 20, 10, and gone. Moneal, 67-yard touchdown run.
1: I've got reporters' <laughs> notebooks older than Seth. <laughs> 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 Soaring
0: through the air, high-flying Slovakian. Fati was always soft. Can't uh, win uh, on the
1: road, they say.
0: DeVito, pop pass, end zone, touchdown, and the ball game! DeVito, in relief, wins it for the Orange.
2: This is Orange Nation, brought to you by Charles Heating and Air Conditioning with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us alongside Seth Goldberg. I'm Stephen Fonte as we welcome you into a Tuesday edition of Orange Nation. We want to hear from you. 315-437-7644. We've blocked out all of our number one to take your calls. We can continue our conversation from yesterday on SU football. We can certainly get into some... NFL football as well. It is Tuesday, which means top and bottom five. Our NFL power rankings on the way in hour number two. We'll speak with Heather Prusak from WIVB in Buffalo at one o'clock as we uh, look back on Buffalo's second straight loss. The Bills falling last night at home to the reigning Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. And then at one thirty, our good friend Mike Waters from Syracuse.com into talk some SU basketball. Dior Johnson has... Apparently left Oak Hill Academy. No longer on the roster. There, we'll uh, find out from Mike what that means moving forward for the uh, the star guard. Um, in the meantime, though, we opened up the show talking Q's football three one five four three seven seventy six forty four. We laid out many of the problems yesterday, Seth, um, and we took many calls yesterday on the show, and and some not too pleased with the job that the coaching staff is doing. Um, but again, I think that that's it's beside the point right now because of the contract and because of COVID. And and listen, the, the ten win season. I know people like to say, well, if you take out the ten win season, look at his record. Well, you can't take out the ten win season. Um, they won ten games, and you know they beat Virginia Tech, they beat Clemson in years prior. You know, ranked opponents inside the dome. He's done some good things. Obviously, there's there's been a step back over the course of the last year and a half. But I think you have to put the the performance of the coaching staff uh, aside right now for for many reasons. And and today I just want to open the show by discussing where this team goes from here. I mean, we know what's next on the schedule. It's Clemson. They're 46 and a half point underdogs now. I mean, when the line first opened it was around, you know, 38 39, then I saw another place it opened at 44 and a half. That line has crept up 45, 45 and a half
1: in some places 46 and a half. Um the the line can't get high enough. Um I was gonna ask you that. I, I don't think we really talked about this yesterday, but I've I've been thinking it really since the uh since the line came out. How high does it have to get for you to take Syracuse? Because I'm you know, I'll I'll give this one away on Tuesday before we do our picks on Friday. I'm picking Clemson minus forty six. Like, if it stays in that range, I'm I'm staying on a, a Clemson pick. If it was 50, I'm probably still picking Clemson. Okay. I think once you get to 50, because... I think if you get into the mid-50s, I, I've got to think about it. I mean, it.
2: we know what Georgia Tech, or what Clemson just did to Georgia Tech, 73-7. to I have to imagine that if and when, and I'll say when, Clemson builds a huge lead on Syracuse, at some point they're going to call off the dogs
1: and, and pull out the starters. Um... But they did that last week, and then they kept scoring. Their punter completed two of three passes with a touchdown. I know. What did they have at halftime, 52 points? Something like that.
2: It's hard to take your foot off the gas in the first half, and they had 52 points at halftime. Um, they took their—they very much took their foot off the gas in the second half. They only scored 21 points after halftime. So if Syracuse can keep that number down in the first half, I do think Clemson will call off the dogs. It's Listen, it, I don't know if SU is going to score, but... Um, but you figure clemson'll call off the dogs in the you know in the 50s somewhere 55-7 you think
1: they're going to score i don't know i don't know cuz that I, was a conversation think, we were having here in the office yesterday too
2: i do think there's a chance they'll score late
1: you know if, if clemson
2: starts taking his starters out in the third quarter or you know they play the backups for the entire fourth quarter and i know the clemson backups are pretty good um could i see the syracuse starters scoring a touchdown sure Possible. possible. Um,
1: it's a good question, though. What would the number have to be?
2: I think, I think the number's got to
1: get into the mid-50s for me to take Syracuse. I was going to say, you get,
2: when you get to 50, I'm, I'm starting to consider the other direction.
1: 56? 58? I mean, that, that's a
2: lot of points.
1: I know. That's when I'd, that's when I'd be thinking I know I know what
2: they just did to Georgia Tech, but again, at some point, they're going to call off the dogs.
1: I mean, Trevor Lawrence threw for 400 yards and a half. And a half. Who's Clemson have the following week? It's a good question. I'm looking that up
2: right now. Will that factor into it at all?
1: They got Boston College.
2: All right. <laughs> Not like you need to rest up for BC.
1: No, they've got Notre Dame in two weeks. Okay. Maybe next week. <laughs> nice of the ACC to give them Georgia Tech, Syracuse, and Boston College between Miami and Notre Dame.
2: All right, let's go to the phone lines. We'll continue this conversation about where this team goes from here. But Jake in Syracuse, as soon as the show started, he called in. He's obviously got something he wants to say. So Jake in Syracuse kicks off the show today. Hey, Jake.
0: Thanks, guys. Uh, I've been listening to the show, and every time I call in, it's right at the end of the show. So I hopped on early. Excellent. I want I wanted to congratulate the SU defense. Actually, for practicing good social distancing, good job, guys. <laughs> um, yeah. It, it does, is Liberty's offensive line coach available? Because we need to hire him immediately. And also, for like all the fans out there that have been calling for Dino's head, I want to remind you of the name Paul Pasqualoni. We all called for his head, and look now, that was the golden age of SU football. Thanks for taking my call, guys.
2: All right, appreciate you checking in, Jake. I, I do agree with that last part, by the way, that you, you do have to be careful what you wish for. And I know that fans are upset, but just to say, well, got to fire the coach that's not necessarily the best course of action and i think in this case again when you take into account the the financial reasons you're not even considering that right now but let's not let's say that he, you know dino wasn't under contract for the next 4 years to to start talking about you know, well, every time something goes wrong, fire the coach. Like, how are you going to create stability here? You saw a guy that was able to win 10 games, and I know people will say, well, it was because of Eric Dungy. They didn't win 10 games just because of Eric Dungy. Obviously, he had a big hand in the whole thing. Um, but it's a it's a program that, again, just a year and a half ago, seemed to be moving in the right direction. Took a step back last year for a lot of reasons. Um, and, again, I'm not saying that, that Dino's crushing it right now. Um, I think you know, he needs to shoulder some of the blame, but there's plenty of blame to go around, plenty of, of you know, directions that you need to point the finger as to why this thing has gone south in, in such a hurry. But to say, well, something's going wrong, you immediately have to fire the coach. This isn't Alabama or Clemson. This is Syracuse. If you have a guy that you think can deliver what you want him to deliver, I think you, you stick with him for a bit, try to create stability. And, and I know it's year five. It's been a funky year. But I know it's year five, and I know people want to see results. But you got to be careful, especially at a program like this, just to have that knee-jerk reaction of, you know, what great year, and then two bad years after that, got to get rid of the coach.
1: Yeah, I think that generally stability is better than instability and and changing over. And you know, Jake kind of uh, hit it on the head as far as the the grass isn't always greener. Look, I don't know if Dino Babers is the guy. I don't know if Dino Babers, you know, is is going to turn it into the perennial. Uh, consistent, respectable... I don't want to call it a winner because I don't know what that entails, but that that consistent program that Syracuse wants it to be. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. I don't know the answer to that. Um, but if you do make a change and start over, you're just kickstarting that process. You're just... Um, Like You're just recycling through, and you're going to get another coach in here who's like, you know, depth isn't where it's supposed to be. And then three years down the road, you're like, why isn't depth where it's supposed to be? They've had three years, and you're just on like – um, a vicious cycle yeah you're you're the hamster you're the hamster running on the wheel and you're going nowhere and it's just spinning and spinning and spinning and you end up in the same place because you don't stick with anybody for long enough think back to uh, you know Jake brings up Paul Pasqualoni, and, and he's the last one to have any kind of extended run right Greg Robinson had four years Doug Marone had four years Scott Schaefer had three years um, I'm not saying that Greg Robinson or Scott Schaefer were going to be good head coaches I'm not gonna even suggest that I don't think that's the case But uh, sometimes you've got to give people time. And I think that they were willing to give Doug Marone time. And Doug Marone had shown he he had kind of built something going in the right direction. Obviously, he wanted to go somewhere else. He got a better job offer. Um, I think that if you're a program that thinks you've got somebody who's competent as your head coach, you've got to give them a little bit of time. And I think that that's kind of what you're seeing now. They didn't feel that way the other two times they had to make a head coaching change. Now they do.
2: I think there was some gray area with Scott Schaefer. I don't think there was any gray area no. with Greg Robinson. I no. think
1: I think we all saw enough to know
2: that was that was not going to work. 315-437-7644. Uh, Lenny in North Syracuse next up on the show. Hey, Lenny.
0: Well, how are you? Good. Hey. How are you? Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I'm going to be a little facetious here now, so bear with me. Okay. I think they uh, really, the way they're, the, they're programmed, the shape of it is I think they ought to really uh, shut the program, not shut it down, but just cancel the games and then just concentrate on practicing, healing the walking wounded, discipline. And, and the coaches ought to start looking at some high school game film to find some new recruits because if they go down to Clemson with walking wounded, they're going to come out of Death Valley with the walking dead, believe me. Uh, I'm just uh, afraid of the kids getting hurt more and more, and nor they can't feel the team.
2: Yeah, no. and and that's, that is an interesting point, Lenny, and I know you're kind of saying it tug-in-cheek, but it is a legitimate concern this week, I think, in particular, that you're about to take on the top-ranked team in the country, and you are already seriously undermanned. You already have a ton of injuries, and to go down there, uh, with you know less than sixty scholarship players, and you know as we were talking about last week, Seth, that you're you're already borderline at the limit that the ACC wants in terms of offensive linemen available for for the the Liberty game. They had eight offensive linemen available. The ACC wants you to have at least seven uh, that are healthy enough to play. You go down to Clemson, yeah, that is a concern that a couple more guys get hurt, and you you don't want to listen. It's one thing to get the the freshman experience. Um, it's another thing, though, to put them in harm's way. And are they ready to go up against that team? I, again, I guess we will find out on Saturday, but you just hope that yeah, I think first and foremost, you hope that the team can get out of it um, you know, relatively healthy. I know they're not healthy, but I guess without more serious injuries than they're already dealing with.
1: Right. They've got to get out of there without anything major and drastic and, and devastating happening. Um, namely, keep the offensive line healthy uh, because you you said it but if they have too many more injuries on the offensive line they just can't play anymore you know they they're just not in shape to play football if they sustain too many injuries on that at that position
2: Dino used the term yesterday in regards to the quarterback room but I think it applies across the board for a game like this he said you know when asked about the quarterbacks and will we see the younger guys he said I'm not looking to throw my little brother out there yet and, you know, his point was, is they're they're not ready. He went on to talk about how they, you know, they look like a deer in headlights during practice and they want to set them up for success. All things that we've talked about on the show. But that term little brother, it does... Especially with this particular opponent, you do get the feeling if you're throwing true freshmen on the field and Syracuse will and has been bad, that, that has the little brother feel against an opponent like this. And you don't want your little brother to get hurt. So, um, and again, I know Lenny was saying it kind of tongue in cheek, but health is a concern in this game. You want to go down there, you want to get your, you know, you want to get in and out of there without serious injuries if you can do it. And, and hopefully it won't be embarrassing. And, and it's unfortunate that that. Is where this program is right now. But right now that's where this program is. They want to go down there. They're hoping, you know, not to get embarrassed. I mean they'll tell you they're going down there to win the game, but I, I think if we're all being honest, they're hoping to go down there, not get embarrassed, and get out of there, you know, without any more serious injuries.
1: This is gonna sound bad. I'll I'll preface it with this is going to sound bad. But you say um you say you don't want to throw little brother out there, you'd have a feeling of of being little brother throwing the freshman out there. Don't you already feel like little brother going up against Clemson as is? Yes. Like even the year even the year they won, even the year they then kept it close. Like you still felt like little brother going into that game last year coming off of two good games why was that game such a big deal in the dome why was it such a big deal that number 1 clemson was coming into the dome because you felt like you were little brother except that you had played them really well the last two times yeah i didn't get like the you, sense
2: you were little brother last year i mean no, obviously they were favored but no, you but, felt like you could compete with them right
1: but but the point is like that's why that game felt so big because for so long you were little brother you are little brother and you felt going in as if there was a legitimate chance, and maybe this, and, and it did dissipate after the Maryland game, but you felt going in like there was a legitimate chance that you could compete with them, and that had never been the case. And I know, you know, I, I saw it pop up on, you know, my Twitter um, and, and my time hop stuff, you know, when it was the anniversary of the Clemson game, uh, what, a, a week ago? Um, and I remember seeing Adam Terry pick Syracuse to win two years ago, when, or three years ago, when when we were outside the Dome before that Friday night game, Uh But, like, that's the only person who (laughs) made a pick like that, right? That is the only person who stuck their neck out and was like, yeah, Syracuse is going to win. Okay. Um, You didn't feel going into games that you had a real good shot of winning when you played that team. Um, And it gave you a little brother kind of a complex kind of a feeling so much so that last year coming off of two good games against them in a row it felt like such a big deal that like going in you felt confident
2: yeah and and I tell you what I know what the final score says but if we remember that game Syracuse was in it into the third quarter. It was what? It was 17 6. And then there was was the fumble. Offensive
1: pass interference, fumble, touchdown in three plays. Right.
2: There was the fumble where, you know, Syracuse gets the ball inside the whatever it was, 10, 15 yard line. And then DeVito throws an interception. And then right after that, 87 yard touchdown, uh, you know, catch and run by by Amari Rodgers. And and the game was over. And they end up losing 41 6. But for, you know, more than half of that game, and for the two previous games, they more than held their own against Clemson, and, and it didn't feel like you know it was, it didn't feel like it. There was such a gap. I mean, obviously right, there that's is, why but those, it didn't feel that way. But
1: that's why those two and a half games are like momentous. That's why you know we we still point back three years and three years ago and say that win right because that win is such a big deal because it's the last time they've lost in the regular season. It's the last time they've lost not to the eventual national champion.
2: Yeah, um, it's unbelievable, and it's and, and it's unbelievable to look and, and see you know the the cavernous gap that is between these two programs right now. And again, it, it, I realize Clemson has been ahead of Syracuse, but it it feels like SU has taken a step back. And and Clemson, you know, this might be might be their best team. I mean, they are they're they're downright dominant. And it's hard to tell, um, you know, because they're just playing ACC competition right now. But uh, we may see by the end of the year. I mean, given all the talent they have, I mean, with, you know, guys coming back that you didn't expect to come back, you know, ETN, um, you know, Trevor Lawrence had to come back, but you, you've got some of their
1: receivers, you, some
2: of their receivers, you, you have so much talent, especially on the offensive side of the football. It is scary. I mean, this might be their most talented team that they've had. And, you know, Syracuse is already behind where Clemson is. And then you add in the, you know, the injuries to more than a dozen key contributors. And and that's why the, the line is the way it is. And, and this one you know, could get ugly in a hurry. 315-437-7644. We do need to take our first time out. We'll continue the Q's football talk next. You're listening to Orange Nation on ESPN Radio. On Twitch, Q Sports Talk and ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. This is Orange Nation with
0: Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg.
2: Stephen Seth back with you on a Tuesday edition of Orange Nation. Phone lines remain open all of hour number one at 315-437-7644. We've got Heather Prusak from WIVB in Buffalo set to join us at one. And then Mike Waters, 130, from Syracuse.com to talk some Cuse basketball. But we continue the SU football talk. Um, and, and Seth, I, I said at the top of the show, I wanted to talk about where this program goes from here. You know, meeting this year. I'm not talking big picture. I'm talking about this year. And we all know the situation. At Clemson on Saturday, probably will be ugly. Um, I think it's no doubt about it. It's going to be a blowout loss. You're going to drop to one and five. You're going to have, what, five games left on your schedule. Wake Forest, BC, Louisville, NC State, and then Notre Dame. Three of that the, those next four are at home. Louisville's the one road game. And, and we discussed this a little bit when we were talking about, you know, is Tommy DeVito the guy, and and if he continues to struggle, do you look at the at the freshman quarterbacks? This is about more than just the quarterback position, but I think that that's a good way to bring up this topic because if you're if you're Dino Babers and you're trying to win as many games this year as possible, Rex is probably the starter. I mean, right? I mean, Rex gives you the best chance to win at the quarterback position with Tommy out. He does. If you're trying to develop this program for the future, though, and again, this is about more than the quarterback position, but do you look at what Dylan Markowitz can do? Do you look at what Jacobian Morgan can do? Do you look at, at at other positions? Do you try to get some of the younger wide receivers some more snaps in the game? When obviously you know you've got Taj Harris and Hakeem Johnson and and those guys are coming back next year. But do you try to work in the younger guys more? Taj Harris on the field gives you a better chance to win. Nikeem Johnson on the field gives you a better chance to win. But do you want to give those other guys experience? And, and it's a, it's an interesting dilemma because the obviously the rate that they're going, if you can't beat Liberty at home, there's a, there's a good chance right now they're not going to be favored the rest of the way. And you know the odds would say Syracuse is going to finish one and ten.
1: No, they have to. No, do you I think, try to win some more games? I mean, no.
2: obviously you're going to try to win games, but do you? But is that your main focus I guess is my question winning games this year or is it all about you know what this year's a disaster for a lot of reasons let's let's build for the future
1: I think I'm on record saying I would be looking at this as a let's build for the future kind of a year. That was I think before that, the
2: loss to liberty no, I, though. I know. That was before everything no, went I horribly know. wrong. I know. Because and back I'm then it felt that. like it felt like building for the future when we talked about it previously was, well, if they win like three or four, like, you know, but you're building for the future, I would take building for the future. If you're talking about one in ten oh, that's or building terrible. for the future, you're still taking building for the future.
1: Yes. Yes, I'm still taking. Let's get Dylan Markowitz and Jacobian and Morgan some snaps against Wake Forest, and, and Boston College, Louisville, and and those games rather than um, Rex Culpepper. Like we know what Rex is. We know that Rex is not you know a a big piece of this program going forward. We don't know what these two tra- freshmen freshmen are. Excuse me, and maybe one of them is the quarterback going forward. You know, I don't know if Justin Lamson's going to come in and, and beat them out. I know Mike McAllister's come on the station and said he thinks that he thinks that Lamson is the guy. But what if one of these two show you something? What if one of these two show you that they can be that quarterback? Well, th- then you then you roll with them. And so I think that it's important to see what you have there. It's important to see what you have uh, in the wide receiver room. It's important to get guys snaps at linebacker so that they're you know in a better position to succeed next year. Yeah, I think that you try and get as many people reps as you possibly can so that you know who you have and what you have moving forward. It makes a lot of sense.
2: But given the loss to Liberty, does it change anything? Does it change because the fan base is riled up right now. Or if you're Dino, can you not even worry about that and you just got to worry think. about what's best for you. So you can't you can't worry about all that noise on the outside no. saying, you know, this isn't going well, you know, he, he's on the hot seat. His, you know, his job's on the line. Um he's got he's got to tune all that out and do you think ultimately I don't know. It,
1: no, I think you've got to. you've got to and it's coach speak, but you've got to manage to tune it all out and do what's actually best for your program. It's easier You to, can't
2: It's a lot easier to do that had they won that game though against oh, against Sure, uh, against sure because
1: you don't have that horrible mark against you. I get that. Um, you know, it's it's fanning the flames, it's pouring gasoline on the fire or whatever you want to say, but yeah, I mean, I think that it's a lot e- it's it's coach speak to say um we don't let the things outside the program get inside the program. We don't let those voices creep in. We you know, we don't let the outside influence us. But you really can't let the outside influence you, you know, in my opinion. I think that you've got to get as many guys who will be a piece of your team snaps. Now, for some people, that means the guys that you've already been playing Like, that means Jeff Canton Arku and Michael Jones and Steve Linton and Stephon Thompson at the linebacker level. They've got to play. You know, and you've got to let them go. It means Garrett Williams at cornerback, you know, who is a redshirt freshman who's playing well uh, this year. I'm not talking just about at positions where you're not playing well or playing guys who haven't been playing all season. You know, Jihad Carter needs to be getting snaps also. You know, when he's healthy, he's got to be playing because you're not going to have Andre Cisco next year. Uh, you know that already. You might not have Trill Williams next year. You might not have Iffy Melifonwu next year. Who knows? And so... I think you've got to be really careful about who you're playing. It means guys that normally would be playing that you know are young and pieces of your team moving forward and it means the quarterback that you know isn't playing right now. Yeah, it
2: means getting guys like Amon Greenwood onto the field, but again, you go back to Liberty game, he was responsible for giving up a touchdown to yes. DJ Stubbs. It means getting guys like Rob Hanna on the field who wasn't even on the 2 deep at the start of the season and he's done some good things, but he was responsible for giving up they're probably most responsible, I would say, for giving up that long touchdown run uh, to start the game to, uh, to Shadrow Lewis. Um, those guys are going to make mistakes. And so that, I guess that's my point, is that if you're, if you're going to roll with the young guys, you're not giving yourself the best chance to win. And maybe in those cases you are because those guys have to play because of injuries. But again, going back to the wide receiver position or getting more of a look at Cooper Lutz or, you know, again, the, the young quarterbacks. If you put the young quarterbacks out there, they're not giving you the best chance to win, but you are developing the program. And I guess the point that I'm making is, you know, if you had beaten Liberty, it's a much easier sell to the fan base, even if you had only two games, because you could point to it and say, well, we beat Georgia Tech, we beat Liberty, and if we had played those other three non-conference games, you know Rutgers and Western Michigan and Colgate, there's your five wins from last year. It's not a step back. I know two wins looks awful, but we were playing all ACC teams. You you can sell it to some degree had you beaten Liberty, but now to to try and sell one in ten to the fan base that you know have faith, everything's everything's fine. There's nothing to see here. You know the house isn't on fire. It's it's hard to sell that to a fan base if you go one in ten.
1: You're not wrong. I, I get what you're saying. I just I think that you've got to you've got to do the coach speak thing and and block it out. You've got to say this doesn't matter. Um, you know you've got to know Dino Bab- if you're Dino Babers. You've got to know that you're pretty secure in your job. You're not going anywhere. You've got you know a contract extension that we don't know how long it is and how much it's paying him, but he knows how long it is and how much it's paying him, and he knows how much money he would get paid if they wanted to get rid of him, and he knows that that's not going to happen. So I think that if you're Dino Babers, that's how you've got to approach this. I know my circumstances better than anybody else knows my circumstances. I know I'm secure in this job. I feel confident that I'm secure in this job I need to do what's best for my team so that next year we can win 6 games, so that next year we can win 7 games, whatever it might be, and and you go from there. Like he's got to look um at this team and say who's going to play for me next year. Who do I need to get ready to go? You know, I need to get a quarterback ready so that if Tommy DeVito gets hurt again, we have somebody there. I need to get a safety ready so that, you know, if if you know, uh, Eric Coley gets hurt again. Somebody's ready. I need to get Rob Hanna and Amon Greenwood ready because they need to be my starting safeties next season. Like that's how I would look at it. You know, let, let's make sure these linebackers really know what they're doing so that next year maybe they do stop the run up the middle and it's not you know a, a total thrashing through this defense. Like I, I don't worry too much about. Uh, what the fans are thinking, uh, you know, given the way the country is going, who knows if fans are going to be in the building next no, I year? Know. I and know. and like that is that like that that that's all so far out of my mind. If I'm him, I, and I tend to agree with you, I'm just playing devil's
2: advocate here because it. I I, I would imagine. Well, there's no. I would imagine it, he's definitely hearing the hearing the voices. I mean, he's 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 referenced it a couple times now both on Saturday and Monday about you know everything's going to be fine I I hope I'm here to see it I mean he said that yesterday again no, he, said I know he hears it So he's he's hearing it and I tend to agree with you that that he's ultimately he's got to pick playing for the future and and developing the program over winning now but after losing good? the liberty it's I mean it, again it's a really tough sell you don't want to lose the fan base you it, it, and I feel like you know he's Based on the calls we're taking, it sounds like he's on the verge of losing the fan base. But what good would it do to win you three games this year? It like would, that's it gonna would, that's it, gonna ease it's it gonna ease the time of it. So I mean, again, I, I now it's it's hard to bounce back from this Liberty thing, right?
1: Right. And, and so I understand it. Maybe maybe that's, I, that's kind of my point. Like I, I think the ship has sailed on easing kind of the throw fan your hands base up this on year. It. Okay,
2: and and that's probably a fair point. That's probably a fair point. What does it matter at this? I mean, I guess at least if you were to win two more games it wouldn't be as disastrous as, as if you won one i, I don't know um you you right. Though. i mean i still
1: like you've got wake forest and they've boston got chances. college at home they've and got
2: chances but that's my point do you do you go all in on trying to win those games over you know getting guys reps for for next year 315 437 tom at liverpool up next on the show hey tom
0: hey how are we doing today good how are you good Not only does he have to sell, I don't think he has to worry about selling the fan base. He's got to sell his own players with the transfer rule being, it's going to be the wild, wild west. And you said Johnson and and Todd Harris will be back next year. There's no guarantee that any of these players will be back. That's true. If they get a free year of eligibility, we're going to need to recruit players that are juniors, disgruntled elsewhere, seniors that want to get a fifth year. It's easier to do that if you're not one in ten. Yeah. That that if you want to compete next year, it's not going to be with the freshman class. It's going to be with transfers and retaining our guys. You don't even mention it as his press conference. He hopes guys stay. Well, if you're one in ten, it's going to be a lot easier for a kid to transfer out for a PG year or a senior year or grad year or whatever than staying. It's not. You, it, it's, he's in a really bad spot with after this loss to Liberty because now he's going to have to win a game or two or else you're going to have, you already know, saw Taj Harris is already not a happy man. How do you make him happier if you give other kids reps? It's, it, And I, I don't know how to get out of this box, but we're sort of in a box right now that really may be hard to get out of.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's a really great point um, that you got to, worry about keeping the guys that you have in regards to the to the receivers anyway I think Taj would be silly to go somewhere else because he, he's seen the track record of what being the number one receiver in this program can do for you and your draft stock and if that is his goal um, and you and he, look at the numbers I mean he's, he's
1: statistically the leading receiver in the ACC
2: right and he's he's doubling up the the next closest guy in the team in in catches almost doubling up and almost Well he's already he's three times in in terms of receiving yards, he's got three times more receiving yards than Anthony Queeley. So I think Taj would be would be silly to leave because again, him in particular, I think if he wants to get to the NFL and play on Sundays, I think his best chances to do it at Syracuse would be showcased for the next year and a half as the number one wide receiver in a what what has been billed as a fast paced offense hasn't been necessarily a fast paced offense uh this year yet but you understand my point is that he's going to get a lot of looks he's going to get a lot of catches a lot of yards he's going to have gaudy stats um I think that you know he he stands to benefit from staying but it's a good point from Tom that maybe other guys not so
1: much yeah I mean Taj Harris statistically is the overall the third leading receiver uh in the ACC uh that's that's yardage wise and I'm I'm pulling it up, but they've they've played fewer games. Uh, they've played one fewer game than than the two leading receivers, Jordan Addison and Zay, uh, Zay Flowers, at Pitt and Boston College. So you know by the averages, he's the av- he's the conference's leading receiver. He's got four touchdowns, which puts him right up there with the conference. Three years in a row. Yeah, like I, I know that we we say Taj Harris has some attitude issues or he hasn't been consistent. Uh, he'd be kind of silly to leave like think think about if he got think about if he played with a more consistent quarterback yeah and we saw that his freshman year look at what he did with Eric Dungy he put up Really good numbers that, that freshman year, uh, particularly for a freshman uh, in this system. He put up uh, 500, 570 yards and a couple of touchdowns, and and he came out of nowhere. Nobody expected him to go do anything, but he was that consistent second receiver on that team, and now he's got to find a way to be that consistent first receiver. He's got almost that he's got almost that yardage total now like another game or two and he'll be at his yardage total from each of the last two seasons so like i, I look at him and see the talent and i think that if you managed to find an offensive line and quarterback situation that were stabilized any more than what Syracuse has had he'd put up the thousand yard season
2: and he missed some opportunities against Liberty had that one long touchdown in his just hands, right. Through his hands, uh, had beaten his guy by like four steps. Um, and so that could be five touchdowns in five games had he caught that one. 315 76 44. We do have to take a timeout. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. On Twitch, Q Sports Talk and ESPN Radio 97.7 at
0: 100.1. Our take on the day's top stories.
2: It's today's business on Orange Nation. All right, we're going to save our top and bottom five until tomorrow, but we will wrap up the show today with a quick edition of today's business. What do you have for us, Seth?
1: World Series starts tonight, Steve. Yeah. Dodgers, Rays. I mean, look, clearly the two best teams in baseball this year, right? Yeah. Clearly the two best teams. So it'll be a fun matchup. You've got Clayton Kershaw and Tyler Glass now going tonight. Uh, that'll be a good pitching matchup. I, this this should be a good series.
2: I think it should be as well. Um, I know you're a baseball guy. You said if it was Braves Rays, you weren't going to watch. Are you going to watch Rays Dodgers?
1: I'm I'm in on the Dodgers. Yeah. The Dodgers are a fun team to watch. I was like in and out on the ALCS, um, but I was watching almost all of the NLCS. I, I was you know Saturday night I watched. Yeah, last uh, Sunday night I was watching that game. Um, they're a they're a fun team to watch.
2: Yeah, fun team to watch. A lot of personalities. Uh, give me the Dodgers in six. Who's your uh, who's your prediction?
1: That sounds right. That sounds right. Dodgers in six. Dodgers in seven. Um, it's I, I don't think there's going to be a quick series either way. I hesitate because I you know I think that they're both so similar. I think they're both so similar. You've got two starters on each side that like you feel confident about and even at that like one of the two starters on both of them is like a little questionable with right. like Clayton Kershaw is like a little iffy on on uh, you know the Dodgers side just because of his postseason track record and Blake Snell is just like a little iffy on the Rays side because like that you know he's up and down don't like, know what to expect yeah, yeah, like he's he's not that dominant Cy Young guy that he and was Kershaw's a couple of years been ago. battling
2: the back issue
1: yeah so and, and I think that they're just so similar like they hit a lot of home runs they you know that's how they score they've got Good, Neutral fun, site. Young players. Yeah. Uh, it's the first time that all, it's the first time that every World Series game will be played at the same stadium since 1944. Uh, that is when the St. Louis Browns and St. Louis Cardinals played each other. They played at the same stadium. It also you, happened with the Yankees because the Yankees and Giants both played at the Polo Grounds. Did you know that off the top of your head about St. Louis? I'd seen it. I'd seen okay. it a couple weeks ago. All right,
2: fair enough. I didn't know if you were just that locked into no, baseball. well, you know
1: what? I, I it's not even a couple weeks ago. It's probably a couple months ago when they whenever they announced the neutral site World Series, I saw it. All right, fair enough. Is um, Sportsman Park? I think Polly was working the radio broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> We've got about two minutes left. What else do you have for us? Uh, how about down in Miami? Two a time. The uh, the Dolphins making the move. Ryan Fitzpatrick is playing really well. He uh, he might be one of the ten best quarterbacks in the league this year. And yet they are making the move to to Tua. Yeah, this is this had to be the the
2: plan all along. Because you're right. I mean Ryan Fitzpatrick has been playing well. Just led him to two wins. Uh, his QBR seventh best in the NFL. To your point about him playing like a top ten quarterback. It just this makes sense. If you were going with Tua this year, this makes sense. Much like we talked about with SU's young quarterbacks, you wait until after Clemson, and then you set them up for success against Wake Forest – this is a situation where they're trying to set Tua up for success, coming off a of bye, bye week, week. A, an extra week to prepare. This they, had to be the plan all along. They
1: got his feet wet against the Jets. Right.
2: They, this had to be the plan all along.
1: It had to. I mean, there's, and, and you didn't know that you were going to play the Jets. You, you know, your schedule did get changed last week. That was not supposed to be the game on, on your schedule. But, um, you know, you knew that the bye was coming up. You knew that you were going to, you know, have that mid-year gap. And, Um, You know, even I would imagine, even if that got moved due to COVID, um, I would think that you probably would have wanted to use that to get him ready and get him going.
2: Seems like the natural time. If you're going to make the change, if you're going to make that transition, you do it coming out of the bye week. And again, this isn't this isn't anything about Ryan Fitzpatrick. This is about the Dolphins trying to do what's best for their franchise and, and their future by giving Tua a shot against the Rams in Week 8. And with that, we are out of time. Thank you to everyone, again, who checked in on the phone lines today. We are back at it noon tomorrow. Enjoy your day, everybody.